follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. gentlemen welcome to the four corners podcast thank you for joining us this evening this day whenever you download this episode i'm shad here with matt and brad gentlemen how are you this evening uh i'm doing good are we still uh are we still the purveyors of lies or misinformation on this episode uh, or I just assume that's usually the no, case no we're, we're, uh, we're actually factual historians for this episode <laughs> oh wow we're we're shifting gears. Okay. Yes. All right. So, uh, shout-outs that we want to take care of. <clears throat> Get my cornet cough out of the way. Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. CollarXElbowBrand.com. It's comfy clothing. It's not outrageously priced. It's good wrestling gear. If you use the promo code Four Corners Podcast, that's the number four, capital C and corner, capital P and podcast, no spaces, save 10% off your order, and I'm doing finger guns right now, and I don't know why. <laughs> and then, an upcoming episode is going to feature, who would that be, Matt? Uh, that would be Epico Cologne. When uh, I say feature, I don't mean live. I mean, we're in. Oh, that would be the best podcast be awesome. we've done. Yeah. I mean, I live for I live for one day when we can actually get Epico on the show, or just even even an interview. Even if like one of us runs up to him and it's like, Epico, can you say something for the podcast? And he's like confused. <laughs> that would still be the best. The best. You don't episode. understand, Epico. You liked our stuff on Instagram. That's right. You did like it once. <laughs> so that kind of means uh, twice. Twice. Yes. Uh, yeah, Epico. Uh, I'm not sure if he's ever been in a cage match, but. Uh, he is part of a Puerto Rican dynasty that is really good at like hardcore violent matches. So at the match, he probably would be Matt. Did you say cage match? I did. Wow. I wonder what we're going to talk about tonight. Now power bombs. That's (laughs) I think we did that episode. already. That's an old throwback (laughs) joke. Uh, can I, can I say something really quickly before we get right into the, the meat of this, the topic for tonight? Uh, we are recording. This is actually like a double episode. We recorded this with last week's episode. Um, and the reason why is because I may or may not be available in the near future. Uh, the reason for that is because I've decided to expand our listener base by one. <laughs> and by that, I mean uh, my wife and I are having a child, which probably by actually probably by the time this podcast airs may may have actually been born so i don't know uh, i yeah. may or, i may miss an episode here or there in the very near future so yeah uh, the guy's perfectly okay the guy's um, kind have to do like a double episode this yeah. week so we're gonna say congratulations matt and also i'm sorry you're not gonna sleep for the next six months of your life <laughs> i'm i'm hoping that 
uh, the baby quickly finds a way to uh, a good sleep pattern that is accommodating to me and my wife. It seems in my experience, either they catch on in like three months or, or you're like two years in and they won't fucking sleep. It's actually that's a real dice funny, roll here. That's, that's that's not funny, and that's too accurate. And <laughs> be did, quiet. Wait, so Shad, can I ask you? Since you've had two, did you get the both? Yes. Ooh. Oh wow! The first one, three months. The second one, year plus. Oh my god! Can, can I, I know. Can I ask a question? I know you love both of your children. If you had had the second one first, would you have had two? Okay, that answers One, it. One, two, three, four, fifth. I plead the fifth. That that's not really the. You know what? We're just not going to go down the road. That's yeah. Of both my boys, I'm so happy to have both of them. I just wish one of them would get his act together, get a job, that sort of stuff. You got to wait until they get a job. Don't oh, crush yeah. my dreams. <laughs> It's a it's a real dice roll for us because I don't like to go to bed early. I actually like to stay up late, uh, and I don't like to sleep. My wife calls me um, she sometimes dubs me the sleep Nazi because I don't like to sleep. I don't like to nap, um, and she's the complete opposite. She she sleeps a lot, or or wants to at least. I don't sleep. I I don't do it intentionally. I um. I have my bouts of insomnia, so sleep and I are not um, well acquainted with each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping that the the baby kind of takes after her and, sh- and sleeps a lot. Yeah, it's a good Fingers hope. Fingers crossed. That's a good hope. All right. So, I'm going to get to make a joke. I've been waiting since we started to do this. We are going to talk about cage match. Do they work? Of course they work. If they didn't work, everybody would still be in the cage. Michael Scott. So, Brad, I know you were doing a little bit of background on cage matches. Could you could you give us a little information? So the first cage match happened in Atlanta, Georgia. Fancy that. Um, hold on, I scrolled down. And was on June 25th, 1937. And Jack Bloomfield defeated Count Petro Rossi. This is something I had no knowledge of. Yeah. For some reason in my head, cage matches have always been like perennial. And now that we put a date on the first one, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, someone talked about looking at this in the Library of Congress. That might just really? Be the, that might just be the, the newspaper that it was in. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. So yeah, that, I, um... Yeah, and this says chicken wire, so I that's probably just the what the cage was. All right, chicken wire. Okay, that leads to the Dominic Danucci story from Mick Foley's book, <coughs> where he was told not to call attention to the fact that it was chicken wire, and so Dominic says that may look like a chicken wire, but it is not a chicken wire. Oh, there's a picture of it. Okay, so. Um... That it looks like so they have the wrestling ring and then the cage is actually inside of the ring and it's almost like an octagon inside of the ring that is cage that is a cage. Huh. If you if you Google um, first ever wrestling cage match and go down to the third link, you'll see a 
really like grainy black and white picture of it. It's kind of fascinating to look at, actually. That's interesting. Hmm. Huh. That's okay. Wow. You seeing it, Shad? No, I'm not seeing it, but I'm just Go thinking down about a little bit. You'll see a picture in Google of it. Let me go to Google. Google is not my default search engine. Oh, yeah. First ever cage wrestling match. And even if you do images, it'll be the second image. Second image. And it's like a little circle. Yeah, man. Room. Look at that. It almost is like an octagon type. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what I thought it was. But yeah, so, so look that up on Google. It's <laughs> kind of a weird thing to see. That must have been an interesting little match. Cause they, it's a really small cage, too. Yeah, but I think the rings were bigger back then, too. I think they were like boxing rings. Mm. But, um... Yeah, so... Uh, I'm trying to think of the first ever, like, cage match I saw. I think I might know. I was thinking, um, because I came in a little later, I think the Hogan-Piper-Halloween-Havoc 97 was the first cage match I ever saw. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, because, um... I think, really, you didn't... In the 90s, you didn't get a lot of cage matches. They were less prevalent. I think... I feel like the first one I ever saw... This is not really a good one. Oh, no, I'm but, stupid. Uh, War Games 97 would have been the first one I saw. Duh. Uh, uh, I think the first one I saw was probably Hogan, King Kong Bundy from WrestleMania 2. Okay. <clears throat> Using the really big, giant blue bars. You know what? I bet I did see... Because I did see like a little wrestling before I got into 97. I bet I saw a blue bar cage match at some point. Mm-hmm. But I really say like I I hated um I hated WWF cage matches when they used the blue bars because it they and they were always a big proponent of the the escape rules which I always thought was stupid like we hate each other so much like we're gonna get in a cage and try and run away from each other. Mm-hmm. But um. I think it, well, actually, you know, I bet Hell in the Cell happened before Piper Hogan, too. Hell in the, the first Hell in the Cell was Bad Blood, 1997. Yeah, they were, they were, it, it and Halloween Havoc, 97, were within weeks of each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just Googled Age in the Cage. Um, yeah, Halloween Havoc, 97. Yep. So that's... Incidentally, the the <coughs> whenever I want to look at how interesting uh, a, a match is put together, one of my go-tos is the first Hell in a Cell. Why is it, you know, everything that happened in it was intentional and how it was laid out. And I really enjoy that, being able to appreciate it. Because of all that stuff that goes into it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you had to have the payoff of The Undertaker getting his hands on Shawn Michaels, so Shawn couldn't run away. DX couldn't interfere, so that's why the cell was created. You had to have a way for Shawn to not lose. 
therefore, this created an opportunity to introduce Kane, who walks down and rips the door off of the thing. They just, they spent a month hyping the cell itself. And the very first match, Kane just rips the door off of it and attacks the Undertaker. You know, funny, funny aside to that, I watched an old um, 85 mid-Atlantic show, or I guess it was Jim Crocker Promotions at that point, and they actually had um, Ricky Steamboat rip the cage door off of a cage for a match. Did yeah. Really? But Ricky That's... Steamboat about that time was, like, ripped, so... He was doing all that bodybuilding? Yeah. Yep. He was a big boy. He's a big boy. But uh, that's that's why, off the top of my head, I'd say that's probably my favorite cage match. And you that's know what, um, to go into Hell in the Cell. Do you ever do you ever see the kayfabe news thing? That's like the pro wrestling version of the Onion. Oh yeah, they just did a segment about how Foley's fall off of the cage was faked. Right, and they actually <laughs> got Mick Foley to do, to like partake. I think it's great that he can have a sense of humor about that sort of stuff. I, talks, I really enjoy it. I went to his one-man show, and he talked about that, and he said, like, when he came to, like, the only thing he saw were Terry Funk's shoes because Taker, like, chokeslammed him out of his shoes. And he was so perplexed because he just woke up with, like, shoes next to him. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I can't say as I blame him. I'd be pretty perplexed, too. Yeah. Now, if we're going to go into our favorite cage matches, I would say um, Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA, the I Quit cage okay. match. Oh, damn. You started off strong with that. Yeah. yeah. Nope. It, That's a hard one to beat. I mean, you, Have, can't, you can't argue with a match where he literally takes a piece of wooden chair and stabs it into the guy's eye until he quits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a high bar. That, to me, is still one of the best matches of the 80s. I would agree with that. It's so interesting to me about how that is... What, what year was that match? 85. Oh. Starcade 85. The differences between that Starcade 85 match and then the, the cage match that was... Um, Flare Race. Like, just how different those are in that shorter time frame is fascinating to me. That wasn't a cage, yeah. Yeah, it was a cage. Yeah, that yeah. was a cage. Mm-hmm. So that's just just how different those two are, you know? It's that's I would uh, say um Tully and Magnum was a much more personal rivalry than Flair race. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Matt, what about you? Do you have a a favorite cage match of all time? Uh, yeah. So I would say I'll say this. I, I do think that the Hogan Bundy match was the first cage match I ever saw. But okay. to me, my favorite gimmick match of all time, which is also a cage match, is War Games. I love War Games. Yeah, man. And when I got into wrestling, as I've said before, I got it in like early '90s. Uh, predominantly watching WCW 
And one of the first cage matches I ever saw, and I really just became enamored with both war games and with cage matches in general, it was the uh, the war games match from Wrestle War '92 with Sting Squadron against the Dangerous Alliance. Against the wow, yeah, and it's a uh, it's a it was slightly different than other um, war games matches because it actually had five workers instead of the usual four. Yeah, uh, and that was done because the Dangerous Alliance was a five-man uh, stable, so they kind of had yeah. to accommodate that. But it was Sting, Nikita Koloff, uh, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, and Barry Windham going up against the Dangerous Alliance, which was uh, Rick Rude, uh, Steve Austin, stunning Steve Austin, yeah, uh, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zbysko, and the match was uh, a really, really good match. Only lasted about. Uh, I think a little over 20 minutes. Right. It moved pretty briskly, but it was just awesome. Um, it was just an awesome match. I was super into Sting and all of those other faces at the time. The Dangerous Alliance really captivated me. Uh, and just in general, I thought it was a, a great match. I mean, Arn Anderson was in more than one of these matches, these War Games matches, and he was always good. I think in he was them. in like, most of the like, first like eight of them. Yeah, I feel he was. Yeah, I think he's uh, he went for the record. Mm-hmm. Now we do so. we do have to we do have to talk about a very special one that I feel like doesn't get quite the um, the love that it should get. But mm-hmm. the king winning his title back in Ready to Rumble in the oh, God level cage. Sweet wow. God! Oh God! There, I can go weeks at a time without thinking of that movie, and now. And then they brought that stupid uh, gimmick to WCW. Yes, they did. The whole Tower of Doom thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I forget where it, that appeared, but it was it was an old NWA gimmick. Yeah, because remember they they like the getting from level to level was like a timed release, and then someone got like the, the heels got someone like stuck in one of them like after the match and they just beat the shit out of them for like 10 minutes and the faces couldn't get to them because of like the time mechanism. I really don't remember what like pay-per-view or show that was on, but wasn't it like, wasn't it like the varsity club versus people or am I miss it was, wildly it was somewhere that? in that early nineties time frame. Mm. I do want to bring us to the future though. And what I think was actually the, the creative pick of Ring of Honor, which was Wait. Team ROH versus Team CZW. Okay. Which was, I need to even remember who's in there. Well, take a second to look that up because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a thought before I lose it. <coughs> when it comes to weird cage matches, what about the electric chair cage match? Oh, you know what? I was actually just gonna say, if I really wanted to troll people, I would I would throw out the the Chamber of Horrors match. The Chamber of Horrors, that's oh, the thing. which was from Halloween Havoc 1991. Yes, <laughs> which was staying in the Steiner Brothers along with Eligante. Yeah, versus Cactus Jack, Big Van Vader. Back before Big Van Vader was actually like a thing here in WCW. Um, yeah, Abdul the Butcher, and of course the Diamond Stud, who would go on to much greater successes. Uh, Razor Ramon slash Scott. Right. right. That was a really <laughs> super bizarre match. Wasn't it? made absolutely no sense and ended with uh, Abdullah the Butcher being thrown into an electric chair and, sho- and theoretically shocked to death. 
<laughs> well, being shocked by his own teammate because Cactus yes. thought one of the Steiners was in the chair. Mm-hmm. And the lever fell down too early in the match, too. So someone had to put it back. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a thing. Okay, I got the I got the um the cage match for Team ROH versus Team ZZW. It is so Team ROH of Ace Steel, Adam Pierce, BJ Whitmer, Brian Danielson, Homicide, and Samoa Joe defeated Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, Eddie Kingston, Nate Webb, and Necro Butcher in a cage in 40 minutes and 38 seconds. Man, there's some hard hitters on both sides of that. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, uh... Wow, there's a lot that that would need to be unpacked there, I think. I haven't seen it in a long time. I need to rewatch it, but I remember... I remember really enjoying that when that hit. That was, like, 2007, I think. Yeah. Was that preceded or followed by um, the the Joe Necro Butcher? Uh, Joe Necro Butcher was before that, and that was in IWA Mid-South. Oh, okay. Oh, never, okay. I don't think they ever really did Joe and Necro in, um, in ROH. Okay. I was thinking that'd be some crazy build, but then again... Um, if if it if it wasn't there, they probably didn't ever bring it up. Yeah. Actually, I kind of think that the cage match is a little bit of a lost art for him in this day and age. At least in this decade. It seems like that they they so many cage matches we've seen have made it uh, an exercise in missing the point. They like, they always feel like they have to add like something to the cage like. When they did the Jericho Ambrose match, they had to make it like an asylum match with um, weapons, like stuff like that. And Mitch the Plant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, okay. The point behind a cage match is whenever you're building a feud, it's to prevent one of two things. It's either to prevent the heel from running away or to prevent his buddies from getting involved. That's what the cage is for. It gives the babyface an opportunity to deliver some comeuppance and beat on them and that sort of stuff. So the idea is you've got to just deliver so much punishment that they, the other guy isn't going to stop you from leaving. Examples of things that have missed the point. Ms. Shane. Ms. Shane Cage. Oh, God. Featuring the minus five star frog splash. That's the only reason I brought it up is because I enjoy that joke. <coughs> like every hell in a cell since the first one has not been about the cell containing them. It's everyone is finding some way to escape from it and then throw someone off of it from some way. And uh, let's see. What's another recent one that just epically misses the point of a cage match? What am I? What am I forgetting? Um, Hell in the Cell this year. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's. It was only. 
It, it was just because that was a pay-per-view that happened to be coming up. That's the only reason it was in the cell. There was no build for it. There was no, you know, there 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 was no point to it. It's just Hell in a Cell is coming up. I guess we're going to put this in Hell in a Cell. Do we count Elimination Chamber as a um, cage match, or is that its own thing? I probably would count it as a cage match, but it's a really unique cage match. It's a really different variant. And it does, it is going against Chad, as you said, like the, the kind of concept, the original concept behind a cage match. Right. It is kind of its own thing, I guess I would, I, well, I, that's, it's a weird hybrid, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's why I would argue that it's not a cage match. Hmm. It's a match that takes place in a cage structure. I see. Okay, That's so fair. How, how about this one? And we're gonna get we're gonna get really tough on you here, Shad. How about right. the Punjabi prison match? <laughs> God. Okay. There's been there, two of those. Yes. I, three I'm of not... them. No, there's been three, hasn't there? <coughs> oh my God, you're right. There has been three because there was one with I think it was Orton and. And Mahal. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I wiped that one. I we did, we did completely a, wiped that out of my memory. We, yeah. we did we did a podcast on that on one of the predecessors to the Four Corners podcast. Yes. Yeah. And okay, so my opinion on Pujami Prison is that it is trying way too hard to reinvent the wheel. <coughs> the idea that you have to escape one section to get to the next section, escape that section to get to the next section, is basically a lazy way of, of drawing out a cage match. A cage match is supposed to be about either keeping people out of the escape, and having to escape three times in order to win? Boy, you, you're killing the, the suspense of it, right? Because it's just like, uh, you know... By the time you get to that third point, they're like, well, we've seen these spots twice already. What, what do I, you know, it's not exciting in the same way. So I was kind of looking at some previous um, cage matches over the years, just to kind of see if I had forgotten anything. And there is a real standout here that I forgot about and what didn't really, like, retain that it was a cage match to me, but... In 2001, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Triple H in the three stages of hell match. Wow, I haven't thought about that one in a long time. That Neither was a really I... great match. Uh, that's also not what I thought you were going to bring up, but I got to sit here and try to remember that. That was right before Mania. Oh, and here, here's here's two other good ones that we that we should remember is. The two matches in TNA of America's Most Wanted versus Triple X. Yes, that oh, actually is yeah. one. That is one that in my notes I uh, I wrote down, and I'd forgot about that one for a long time. There's two. So kinda... There's two because they did the Six Sides of Steel, and they also did in the the weekly pay per view era. They did a match. They did a cage match there too. Oh wow! I was just thinking of the uh, the Six Sides of Steel. That's the one I remember as well. Yeah, which yeah. was a fantastic match. There's, like, one from the first anniversary show that's also, like, amazingly good. The, 
I mean, the big spot everyone's remember is remembers is Elix Skipper's cage walk. Yeah, which is just staggering, you know. That's you know, that's, oof. TNA really has a good track record of cage matches, though. Because I'm sitting here thinking, like LAX versus um, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels from um, Bound for Glory is also really good. Um, I don't remember that one very well. That's from 2006. I I'm just going to have to take your word on it, I guess. That one just popped in my head. I haven't seen that one in a long time either. So, so old I'm going to I'm going to throw this one out there cuz I can't really place it, but old memory. From a time when I wasn't really supposed to watch wrestling, but I try and sneak a watch of it every now and then. I remember, and this had to be on a Clash of Champions. <coughs> I don't think it was a War Games, but it might have been. But we had, a, it was, I remember Hacksaw was in the match up against the York Foundation. Hacksaw, some team of Hacksaw versus the York Foundation that ended when Hacksaw was throttling somebody and some other guy picked up his axe handle and swings, and Hacksaw somehow knows that it's coming and ducks, and the other the guy wipes out his uh, his teammate, and so Hacksaw is able to get the win. But I remember that one as uh, odd as a memory that is. But that's that's way back there with one of my early wrestling memories. I'm trying to find that and I can't find it. Yeah, I don't. I don't recall this at all. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did see um, Fall Brawl '93 with the Shockmaster. The Shockmaster. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that. Maybe it was not Hacksaw. Maybe it was Big Josh. Uh, yeah, Big, Big Josh, Josh did have the axe handle. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have worked with the timeline because I didn't think I didn't think Duggan came in until right. much later. 94, right. I think. Because he was still but, kicking around on early Raws. Okay. So, there, that, that straightens it out. Anyway, um, one of you guys was going to say something, and I, I jumped in on that. So, please go ahead. I'm still trying to figure out. I, I don't think... It's not recorded on what I'm looking at with the Big Josh thing. So, But Big Josh would make sense. Mm-hmm. How about let so let's go let's go really old like I don't think these are necessarily great matches but they are kind of timeless but remembered incorrectly like the the Jimmy Snooker versus Don Morocco matches absolutely which um is one of those funny things that no one actually remembers correctly because Jimmy Snooker did not win and he did the splash after the matches. Yeah, that's a bit nobody ever talks about. Um, yeah. The the fact that the splash happened after the fact, but hey, you know that was that's that's how we got Mick Foley. So yeah, you know I, I, that's okay. I'm all right was, with that. Was that a cage match where he did like the Snuka tribute like mid cage? Was that him and Triple H in like ninety? Yes, it was. Or something. Okay. Yes, it was. And he like was. he like drew something on his chest, but he sweated it off, so like it totally like failed. 
Yeah, it was supposed to be like a heart-looking tattoo as a dude love reference. Yeah. But right. he, had, he had it all rubbed off under the shirt. Yeah. Oh, there's things that you think's going to be brilliant and they don't turn out well for you. That's a lot of wrestling just by itself. Just just as a heads up. Or can we talk about um was that St. Valentine's Day massacre where they like pretty much buried the big show on his debut because he looked like a dumbass? Yeah, yep. I remember that. Yep. Cuz he what he chucked Austin against the cage and he fell out and um Yeah. It broke the cage and Austin just rode it to the outside and then dropped down. I remember was, watching that live. Yep. That was actually a big Raw main event when they did Austin versus Big Show, like right yeah. before Mania. The thing that, that really me, frustrated me... I'm sorry, Brad, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that just reminded me, they they kind of redid that stupid finish last year with... No, yeah, last year with Brock and Roman in Saudi Arabia. Oh, did they? Oh, God. Yeah, they like, did. Yeah. Like, Roman, like, speared him through the side of the cage, and then they fell out. Oh, fell that's right. That one. That's, oh, I hate those. Yeah. That wasn't even the first time that the spear through the cage as a screw finish has been done. Goldberg spearing Vince Russo is how Vince Russo won the WCW title. Oh, God, I remember uh, that. And it was supposed to be that Booker T didn't step out fast enough. So Booker got to look like a moron in order to put Vince over. The other thing that bugs me about that St. Valentine's Day Massacre cage match is when Big Show picked up Austin to throw him, as soon as the way he, he picked him up like I pick up my son to look at something, it was, it happened, so, you know, the way he's like cradling him to the side, both facing forward, and it's like, gee, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to throw Austin through the cage? Oh, he threw him through the cage. There we go. Let's just broadcast the ending. So let's like kind of, let's kind of go into what we, like, do you think, do you, where would you rate the, um, the cage matches like the feud ender? Hmm. Like where it should be, or no? Like actually, you're talking is. about ways you can end a feud. Like where would the cage match like rate in your um in your like lexicon of like gimmicks that would end a feud? I mean, I would say ideally it probably should be like a, a feud closer, at least some of the time. But that's unfortunately in practice. Like it's. It's become so, like... Watered down. Yeah, it's become almost like a lesser gimmick match. Almost passe. Yeah. Because I would say there was a point in my wrestling watching where having a cage match on the show was like an automatic buy for me. Yeah. Yeah. In watching this, uh, in, in for me, a cage match, kind of it should kind of set the bar. Like... This you're gonna end a feud in a cage, that's a big deal. It's it's a bigger deal than a bull rope match or a chain match or something like that. But if you're gonna do something beyond a cage, it's gotta be big. So it's it kind of the standard bearer. You ask someone for a you know wrestling gimmick match that doesn't know anything about it, they're gonna go, uh, 
cage cage match. <coughs> so I would prefer it to kind of set the standard. Everything else is measured against how good the cage match is uh, as a uh, a blow off gimmick. Okay, so so let's go into some let's go into some. We're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna really go into the weeds here. So we're gonna go around the table. Do you like your cage with a with a roof or without a roof? Ooh. So again, my favorite one of my favorite gimmick matches of all time, and one of my probably my favorite cage match was a war games match. Uh, and war games traditionally and done correctly, in my opinion, has the roof. I don't like this uh, this NXT version of War Games. First of all, it, I don't like that it's only one ring. But okay. Um, yeah, you you've you've you kind of lost me when you only have a single ring for War Games because yeah, if you're gonna have ten guys in there, they need a little room to to stretch yeah. out. Right. Uh, I like I like a roof on my cage. I understand that they've kind of over time they changed the, the cage where it's like you can escape the cage which uh, okay but that's, that's stupid a different premise but to me like a, the the whole point of the cage match is that yeah you're you're trying to settle a blood feud either as, as shad said either trying to tr- to prevent the heel from running away or to prevent interference so uh, i i like a, i like the top on the cage that's- and the other thing is um when you nowadays when there's not a roof on it you're just advertising to me that someone's going to jump off the top. Exactly. Yeah. You knew as soon as that War Games and NXT happened, you're like, Ricochet's going to jump off top of that. There was no, there was no ceiling to it. Ricochet's going to jump off top of it. I agree with that. Now, if it's me, uh, Shad, Shad, it's going to depend. If- so you're saying if it was you, you'd heart punch someone on top of the cage? <laughs> heart punch, go home. Heart punch, go home. If it, if I were booking it, it would depend. The roof on the cage would depend on what, how we're doing this feud. Is it going to be a, like, is this a blood feud where these two guys are finally going to settle it? We're putting a roof on it because they're just going to beat the living piss out of each other. Great. That's what I, that's what we want. Or is this going to be like, well, we got to finish it with something, so I guess we'll use a cage match. Then we won't put a roof on it because then you can milk more spots for reaction about climbing over the top or being drugged back in or or something like that. See, you, for me, if I was booking, a cage on the top of the ring is serious business. There's going to be there's going to be some hurt going on. Okay, so now now to follow that up. Now, do you prefer your cage to be tight on the ring, like they can only operate within the confines of the ring, or do you like your cage to be a little bigger to give them some room to get on the floor? That's a great question, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I, like, I feel like there's two... I feel like you can go either way with this. Like, there is... um. The floor offers you weapons, obviously, because you can put stuff under the ring. 
right. gives you like some some room to like really kind of screw around with the outside of the cage. But I also think you can lose the point when you can get outside of the ring. Yeah. So I think there's advantages to keeping them confined to just the ring as well. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I I don't know. Like I I think that's logical, and I I do agree. Um, and I don't. I wonder if I've been a little bit spoiled with like the hell in the cells because, at least with the hell in the cells, I do kind of like that they have a little bit of room out there. Right. Um. I don't know though. I I feel I feel they've kind of abused the gimmick a little bit. It's. Yeah. Plunger got a little too predictable. Right. If it were my choice, then what I would do is I would have my regular cage matches, they would be it would be mounted on the ring. And then if I was going to mix it up, if I wanted to take it a step beyond, then my statement was gonna be okay. So what we're doing is we'll we'll call it a I don't know a cage street fight or a <coughs> let's say I put a different name on it and the name is something like you know this is a this is a battleground match so there's going to be a cage so you can't get away you can't run you can't have people come help you but the cage is spread out around the ring so you have the opportunity to go for weapons so on just a straight vanilla cage match, it's on the ring. That gives me an opportunity to expand it out if I'm trying to, um, if I want to put a little more spin on the ball. See, I think if I wanted to really like kind of screw with it, I would go the barbed wire cage match route to like really kind of change it up a bit. I, I just don't like barbed wire in wrestling in general. So, uh, I I just don't. Uh, I I just I I just don't care for it myself. I mean, Sabu would lecture you on how <laughs> the art's been lost because they file the points down because you know that's Sabu. Yeah, I know that, but I'm st- I'm still just not on board with barbed wire in wrestling as common as it got to be. I like the way they used to do it, though, where, like, the point of it was, like, desperately trying to not end up in the barbed wire instead of the point being, like, let's roll roll around and, like, make out with the barbed wire. Yeah, that was, uh... I remember that was a Raven thing. (coughs) Is Raven said, it used to be that it was strung between the ropes, and then you tease going into it. And you grab the guy and you push his face towards it. And he goes, no, no, no. And he's pushing on the ropes. And he's screaming and everyone's getting fired up for it and stuff like that. And now it's just like, I'm going to wrap this around you and then I'm going to set it on fire. And then I'm going to put you through three tables. Like, there's there's not restraint to leave well enough alone. And, um... So I'm, I'm uh... You know, if you're going to do it, I, I prefer the original method. Yeah, I agree with that. Matt, so then, um, have, uh, have a war you out? No, no. Okay. I was just thinking, like, uh, those are all good points. I don't know. Like, I feel like I've I, I've almost been too saturated with 
Hell in the Cell recently because that's like the biggest quote unquote cage match that you see on a regular basis. Yeah, but I feel like they've really they've really abused that too. Like yeah. even to the point, I, the fact that it's kind of in the same way with Elimination Chamber, even though I guess it's debatable whether that's a <laughs> a cage match. It's like once you make it just a, a yearly pay-per-view, it kind of loses its... It loses everything. The fact okay. I don't even like the fact that they're now making war games like this traditional November well, NXT match. NXT, NXT's already lost the point with war games, though, because I think Undisputed Era has been in all of them. Yeah. And I think... I think they're one and one in them, maybe? Did they lose last year? I think they did. Yeah, I thought they did. Did did I can't remember. Did they did they beat Ricochet's team? I think they beat Ricochet's team, but I think they lost to the Viking House Party. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I can't yeah, so I like, just can't remember. Well, and and they've really they they really they I think they've really ruined it this year because they're doing two war games. They're doing men and women and it's just like Okay, you've already, so you've you completely WWE eat it, and yeah. um, so instead of it being something that this feud is so big we have to do it in a cage, it's just the yearly. Oh, well, the guys are doing it, so the women have to do it too. And by yeah. that point, it's just like, okay, well, this just means nothing then. Yeah, you 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 use it too often, and it takes the shine off of it, and. Uh... That's really frustrating because I I want it to be good, right? I want it I want it to be a big thing whenever you have this stuff going on. But the problem is we're not getting that. It's just like people like this. Let's do it a whole bunch. Well, and the problem with NXT though is like they like the way WCW did a lot of them is that was like that was the big that was like all of like the stable like the big feuds like coming together for like a big blow off. Yeah, and right. NXT really doesn't do that because they don't, they don't story tell it like that. So no, it just no, doesn't work. Like the the best story tell that I remember of bringing a bunch of separate things together was like the last halftime show they did. You know, these guys all had a problem with. I think it was still Undisputed Era at the time. These guys all have a problem with Undisputed Era, They're, so these guys are going to have a match with Undisputed Era. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good with that. You would see, the problem they're running into with Undisputed Era, I think, is they've hung around way too long now, so it's falling into that range where you're like, why do I care? Like, they're just going to be at the top like they've been for the last three years. Like, they're falling into that NWO territory. I was getting ready to exactly say that. We're getting into the the NWO fatigue, I guess. They're a, yeah, they're a stable that should have already been brought up, but they they weren't because there wasn't a good spot for them, and now they're kind of getting stale. And I don't, I mean, I guess if they brought them up or have them work with the top guys in this little NXT main roster feud thing they have going on, yeah, but. It's it's still to me it almost feels like too late. It's like I guess those matchups are fresh, but I don't know. It, it doesn't none of it really excites me. Yeah, uh, because NXT interacting more with the main roster is not like what I want. 
And I knew I knew it was only a matter of time until they did that. And uh, they did it a lot quicker than I thought. Yeah, but they I mean, uh, they went pretty hard on that, didn't they? But I mean, it was it was I mean, NXT's days were numbered the second AEW was beating them by like three hundred thousand people a week. Right. That's that's a lot to overcome. And it's not exactly like Vince has exhibited a lot of patience here recently. I, I just think it, it, NXT is just not built for like a mainstream audience. It's just not like not everything has to be mainstream and it just it served its niche and um, it just it wasn't capable of being more. Right. It, it's not structured that way. It was originally structured as we work with this guy he gets over, he gets popular, he gets good. Then you call him up to the main roster to do stuff. Well, and where, where NXT's kind of gotten screwed up by the main roster logjam is NXT was the place you came and told your story and then moved on. Right. And that's not what it is anymore. No. Now, you that's I think that's why Undisputed Era is stuck there is because, like, well, now we're on top and we've told these stories, but what are we supposed to do? Yeah, and I also thought it was dumb. I know we're. I know this is a double recording, but it, it kind of really speaks to my why I don't really like WWE anymore. Is like, so why would someone like Seth Rollins give a flying crap about the NXT title? He wouldn't. Yeah. Like someone, someone really yeah. summed that up well. It's like someone who's playing in the NFL wanting to go back to their high school and like win the state championship. That, uh, that does seem kind of, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? I don't know. Kind of futile. It's like, why, why? There's there's no purpose behind it. It's like a, it's like a bad mid nineties Disney movie. It's like, well, when he lost his legs, he learned. To get back on top. But first, he's got to go back to where he started. Is this like Rob Schneider starring as a Q-tip? As a carrot? (laughs) Kind of what I was going for, yes. (sighs) (coughs) But, yeah, um, the the way NXT's done the war games, like, doesn't entice me. People always get excited about someone trying to do war games, and the second I see a single ring, I'm like, oh, you've already screwed this up. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. That is. I just, the, there was just something special about the, the two rings. It, it is a, you know something special is going to happen, because how often are there two rings? Exactly. Yeah, not often. Though I have to say, like, um... Elimination Chamber has never really stuck with me. Like, I've thought there's been some good ones, but I also think, like, that is a gimmick's been a little tired since about 2011. It's because they just did it every year. I mean, there have been some guys who have had, uh, like, career renaissance stuff happen with Elimination Chamber. You know, the, the, that's part of why Dolph got over with management so big is one elimination chamber was falling apart, so he just started directing traffic. And 
whenever he did that, he held the whole thing together. Or... <coughs> or that year yeah. that um, they did that ECW pay-per-view and they eliminated CM Punk and Sabu first and the crowd just died. Yeah, wow. yeah, I remember that. And didn't Paul Heyman get fired after that show? Maybe. Uh, I don't remember that part. And then we had a, a really good elimination chamber that had Bray Wyatt win the title out of it. But, of course, they ruined that pretty immediately, too. So it's 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 got potential, but it's... You know, we're staring down the barrel of things like Braun beats four of the other six people who are in there and then Roman pins him with one spear and then you go Why the fuck did you remind me that happened? Well, I'm making the point that they have the Elimination Chamber has been an opportunity for people to do good stuff to get noticed, but the problem is that it's also been an opportunity for some really bad choices to happen. I guess that's the Elimination Chamber is kind of where Kofi Kofi's rise started this year. Uh, yeah, it did actually. Yeah. 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 So that's that's fair. It's a the phrase I'm looking. It is of all the gimmick matches I can think of. It's like the most WWE gimmick match. It's overproduced. There's too many moving parts. It's too complicated. You can get good stuff out of it, but... You know, it, it reminds me... It's actually, to me, like now... I know it started before TNA was ever a thing, but it always kind of makes me think of, like, WWE, like, stole a TNA gimmick with, like, the over-convoluted rules and stuff and, like, made it their own. What about that, uh... What, whatever the, the, the dome cage that TNA had was? Oh, fuck, what was that? And as it turns out, nobody could win because nobody could actually climb out of the thing. <laughs> remember what I'm remember. talking about? Homicide spent like 10 minutes hanging from the top of this thing trying to figure out a way to get out of the top. Uh, yeah, I think I remember this. But, uh, well, he couldn't because uh, no one had tested it to make sure that the climb could be done. So they had to like improv a new finish on the fly figure a way to get somebody out. I just looked it up. It's the uh, the Steel Asylum. Steel Asylum. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You I, attack I think, Asylum to a wrestling match name, it's not going to go well. I think um, I think Elimination Chamber violates my rules of a good wrestling gimmick, though, which is a good wrestling gimmick, you should be able to explain the entire concept and rules of the match to someone in five seconds or less and have them understand that's a good rule, because that way it's easy to jump in. And you should be able, and if you're writing it, you should be able to explain it in three bullet points or less, or you've gotten too complicated and it's a bad gimmick. I think that's a that's a that's a pretty good rule. I think. Now, like something like War Games is obviously a little more complicated than that, but I also feel like War Games you can gloss over them coming out. Okay. I see where you're coming from. Um, I mean, you could just about... The first War Games my wife watched, 
she was like, uh, so why are they coming out that way? And I looked at her, I said, so that the bad guys can team up on the good guys for a while before another good guy shows up. You know, Pretty much. That's, that's, I mean, that's basically what that's for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But that's, I mean, that's kind of taken some of the, I guess that's kind of taken some of the magic out of it, too. As, I feel like people would figure that out after one or two. Probably, but still, that's, I mean, that's probably not the best thing to say when someone's watching their first one. Eh, I don't know. I Yeah, I can see. I can see how you're kind of telling her how the magician did it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is you pretty much just said, "Hey, that <laughs> that that girl that is his assistant is probably a twin, and they're gonna pull a switcheroo on you." Yeah, something like that. It's like you know the the the, the doves were up his sleeve the whole time or something, and it's like okay, that's cool to know, but on the other hand, it's like that that does kind of take some of the fun out of it. So, yeah. I guess to each his own. And it depends on, on where you are in your journey as a fan to sound highfalutin for a second. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes people don't care, though, and sometimes they're not invested enough. They just want to know the, the tricks without like actually watching hundreds of hours of footage. They, they want to know the punchline before the, the joke ends. Yeah, and I don't blame people for that. It's kind of frustrating, because when you do that, then it's like, all the work I went to get you up to this point is gone now, because you just want to know how it ends. And it's like, well, you know, what what the hell? Why why do I even bother then? If, if you're just going to, oh, I know how it ends, right? It's weird, it, like... My wife is like, my wife will watch stuff with me, but it's so unpredictable, like, what she will latch on to versus what she doesn't latch on to. Like, she definitely has taste, but certain things will fall flat that I expect her to like, and then things I think she'll be meh about, she'll, like, latch on to. Mm-hmm. My it's, wife's um, tastes are, I can usually predict them decently well, but there's a, it's uh, a phrase I'm looking for. There's a measure of unpredictability kind of built into it. So, you know, she loves, she likes luchador. She likes people, seeing people do cool athletic stuff. Yeah, yeah. my wife's like that too. Yeah, but she, my wife, my wife does recognize like what, like if you showed my wife like a five-star match, obviously she would get bored if it got too long, but like, she recognizes quality like to her um savage and steamboat from wrestlemania 3 is probably her favorite match of all time okay um she thinks that ray and eddie from halloween havoc 97 is close to that okay Mm. those are both good choices so she obviously um (laughs) so she obviously like recognized that stuff i don't i try to keep her shorter so like stuff like um Flare and Steamboat, I think she would really like, but that's that's running on the long side to ask like someone that's not necessarily super invested in wrestling to watch. That makes sense. It's interesting you um, 
you said that I took my wife. I've taken my wife to an NXT live show, and she actually liked that a lot. Uh, and that was back when they had Ricochet on it. So you got some. That was a pretty like athletic match. I think he actually wrestled. It was a Viking house party. Cause you went to. You took her to take over New York, didn't you? Oh yeah, I did. She did like that one a lot. Um, I was speaking of one that was here in the the local DC area. She's actually, I think it was like, um, Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. I recall it being a good match. Uh, but yeah, she did see TakeOver. And I also took her to the first, uh, TV taping for AEW here in DC. And she, she liked NXT more just because she liked the whole, what she would call the acrobatic elements of it. Um, but really, I feel that she just liked Ricochet because Ricochet obviously is very high-flying and acrobatic. Um, but she is kind of of that mindset where, because I've watched some of the episodes of AEW on TV and she'll you know maybe watch it with me or just kind of passively watch it. And she kind of has, has stated, oh, this match is too long. I'm bored with it now. Uh, and as a wrestling fan, you know, we kind of enjoy the longer matches, but there is something to be said about that. But then again, she's not really like the target audience. She doesn't really like wrestling in general. She'll kind of watch it passively. My wife, I I would classify my wife as she's not a non-fan. She's like, like she understands a lot of it. And, um, she'll watch like AEW with me and enjoy it and have comments about it. And she might even like be curious what happened on a week, but she wouldn't watch it on her own. Mm-hmm. Though it's hilarious having, hearing her discuss how she has to explain to, to my coworkers, like who might just watch WWE, like explaining like the level of my fandom. Like I think she quote told a worker once like, no, you don't understand. Like, I've watched more Japanese women's wrestling in a foreign language that I can't understand than I ever thought was humanly possible. <laughs> Cause she has to like try and quantify it. And she, I think she has to really say to people like, no, he watches stuff in like a foreign language. Like that's how much he watches. Sorry. That kind of sounded like having, it's having a seizure and trying to laugh at the same time. I, it did kind of sound like that, but I figured you were trying not to like cough your lung out. Yeah, that's that's the big thing right now is is keeping my lungs on the inside. Okay, do we have any other cage match variants that we'd want to kick around a little bit? Um, I I said at the beginning I don't like the blue cage from the WWE. No, it's it's distracting. Like, it's too big and in the way, I feel like. Yeah, and I think they get too... Like, the climb is really awkward and weird in that one. Yeah. Because that's the one, like... That's... You have to... You kind of have to do the the ladder match. Like, I'm going to do the slow climb, and... Oh, I'm doing, like, the slow, like, put my leg over, and then... Oh, I'm too afraid to, like, jump down. Yeah. And the one I hate, like, the the most convoluted cage spot I hate is when you're literally on the other side and the other guy starts attacking you and you, like, have to, like, awkwardly climb back to the other side. Yeah, I they start dragging you up. 
Yeah. It's like, dude, just let go. He'll lose his grip. That's, yeah, I totally get your, you, that's, that is frustrating. It's like, okay, we're going back to this now. Yep. This is, this is going to be the, I thought we were done, but I guess not. And I have to say, I'm still bitter because I just remembered it, that I got that stupid Skywalker's question wrong from like 10 months ago. <laughs> oh God, why did you have to bring that up? Because now I'm upset too, because I got it wrong as well. Because we thought it was, it was Road Warriors and Midnight Express, and we thought it was the Rock and Roll Express, not the Road Warriors. Yes. Yeah, I still feel it's, like a dumbass for that. It's still my greatest shame. <laughs> it's mine, too. Because that's such an easy one. Yeah. I want to be real honest with you. Every now and then, I'll be walking around at work, and then I will, I'll be like, do-do-do-do-do. Hey, we had a good... That trivia episode was pretty good. And then I hear Brad just, like, blurting profanity when he realized he got the question wrong in my head. And I kind of chuckle. Because I was so confident on that one. I'm like, oh, that's an easy one. Like, oh, I'm a dumbass. Well, I, I wasn't even trying to be, like, cagey with that one. I just thought it would, you know, do you remember it or not? And, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, I guess it just didn't work out that way. But, I, I, you know, I wasn't trying to do a trick question or anything. That that episode makes me think of when Aqua Teen Hunger Forest went to Trivia Night at the local bar. Oh, yeah, where they loaded up a shake with, all the knowledge or something? Yes. Because they were trying to beat that one guy that was like, I think had a giant brain or something. Yeah. That super annoying brain guy. And, yeah, and they took they took Carl for sports. Yes. Because he couldn't fit it on the DVD. Yeah. I think that was right. I need to rewatch that show. That was really, that was a strong show. I need to rewatch Harvey Birdman too. Never got into that one. You have to be into, like, the Hanna-Barbera properties or, like, have, like, a working knowledge of them to, like, really appreciate it. Okay. It's, uh... Like, I enjoyed Aqua Teen. Provided they didn't get, like, too weird. They started getting weird by the end, but that was more Matt style when they started to get into the really weird stuff. Well, I do remember the episode where, I think, what, Glenn Danzig showed up and he wanted to buy... Uh, Carl's house because you know it's pulsing blood from the walls and stuff. Oh yeah. He's like, no, yeah. this is awesome. I want to buy this house. Then living and Carl's like, this is my house. You can't do that. Or however Carl sounds, I might just have a bad Carl. It was um, there was a monster or something because he didn't want to do it. And he's like, I paid for this house. Like, do it. I, I can't remember what the the uh, uh, the the driving force was. I remember the Mummy's Curse far better. I remember the Mummy, and I remember because um, I still make jokes about it sometimes, and people look at me like I'm an idiot. Is a uh, assisted living Dracula? Oh yeah, because I had H. John ben Benjamin as a moth monster man. Yeah, honestly, H. John Benjamin doing voiceover work is pretty much just gold. Uh, that Oktoberfest Arby's commercial really. I hated it. Pretty much gold. He did... Um, oh, God. Did I tell you guys about the jazz album he did? 
I might have. I think, yeah, you told us about okay. that. I think on the cartoon episode. Okay, yes. that That is a joke <coughs> that I absolutely love. I love that joke. It's amazing. And people who don't realize that it's a joke, who get all, like, bent out of shape about it, make it even funnier. So I'm going to say something, I'm about to say something super controversial that'll, that'll probably piss more people off than last week's episode where we got a little on the political side. Okay. And I mean, we might actually get some hate mail about this. Um, speaking of H. Jonathan Benjamin, I think Home Movies is kind of overrated. Oh, I agree. I never really liked that show. I never got into it. It was, I, it was, it was good enough to watch and like some of the episodes were funny, but I never got the super zeality people about that show that like really, um, really kind of evangelized it. Like it was like, oh, it's okay, but it's not like Futurama or anything like that. <coughs> I'll agree with that statement. I think that's that's accurate. What do you know? I'd be like, if it was like, if I was graded it like homework, it'd be like a C plus. That's I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I just I it never grabbed me. No, but me neither. H H John Benjamin has, goes back a long way. I used to watch Doctor Katz, professional psychiatrist. Yeah, I remember that one. On that and yeah. that was funny. And uh, and you know things like that. I enjoyed that quite a bit. So most of what H John Benjamin's done, I've enjoyed. I like Coach McGurk, but he was like probably the only character I really cared about on home movies oh, that's fair so we've gotten a pretty far abreast from cage matches uh have we got anything else we want to we want to bring up before we take it home uh just a reminder to everyone to congratulate matt probably the week <laughs> after you hear this or the week you hear this and um and just uh We'll work around it, so just don't be surprised if he might be missing from some episodes. And we want to get into the, we want to do those WWC episodes, but I'm guessing we'll probably get to that early next year, unfortunately, just because the holidays are coming up. So, um, and with, we won't miss with any episodes going on around us. Yeah, we won't miss any episodes. Like we have some backup plans. Yeah. Um, to just don't be surprised if it's like it's Shad and me and maybe it's like a 45-minute episode or something blows up and it's me and my wife. Like, it worst comes to worst, like, you will get a show every week. We won't miss yeah. anything. We're not going to miss anything, but the thing is, in that time frame with your little one early on, you've, you've got to take the time to do it. And we're not, no one's going to hold that against Matt if you can't be there on a given night. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it by ear because uh, I still intend to try to do the show, but I'm gonna see how that goes. I mean, it's not gonna be like forever, I can, but I can see I can for I can kind of foresee missing like a show or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that can easily happen. Mm -hmm. And I would I would say like especially especially like we d we do. So usually what we do is we do like probably out of like a four week month we record three weeks and then we do a double recording, I would say there probably won't be quite as many double recordings, or if there are, Matt will only be there for part of it. Yeah. Like, so yeah, so like, just, we'll work around it. Yeah, it'll be, you guys will get your content, we're not going to leave you out to drive, we'll get it figured. 
Yeah. So, all right. Well, with all that being said, um, we want to thank you all for joining us. Get out of the cage so that life can go on. Don't be still stuck in the cage. And uh, what are your favorite cage matches? Hit us up on social media. Let us know which ones you really love. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters and you're in the fourth. You have a good day. R.I.P. Mitch. Here's a 40 for you. Ha, ha, ha.